Welcome back and Billy, the SEC West looks to be as tough as always. Before we break down the projected bottom four teams, give the listeners what the odds say on who will finish last in the Western Division. Summer, after last season, there is little doubt that changes would be made at Arkansas. But, the odds still have them finishing at the bottom of the division. Followed by Ole Miss and Mississippi State, currently the Aggies are projected to finish fourth in the division. And Billy, let us start right there with the Arkansas Razorbacks. The Razorbacks will be led by first-year head coach Sam Pittman who returns to Fayetteville. Coach Pittman spent the last four years at Georgia but prior to that he was the O-line coach for three seasons there at Arkansas. Coach brings in as the offensive coordinator, Kendall Bryles, who was the OC and QB coach Florida State, and on the defensive side, Barry Odom, who was the head coach at Missouri before being let go at the end of the season. The starting quarterback as of this moment is Felipe Franks, he is a grad transfer for Florida. The Razorbacks do return a running back that Kenneth is extremely high on in, Raheem Boyd. And now let us look at the Razorbacks' schedule. On September 26th in the season opener at home against the Georgia Bulldogs, the Razorbacks will have three more games before their bye week. Their next game is on the road in Stark Vegas against Mississippi State and the travel to Auburn. After the bye, they will face the Aggies in College Station, a home game against Tennessee, a road game at Florida, a home matchup against LSU, travel to Missouri before finishing the season at home against Alabama. Yeah, Summer, um, don't really have a lot of um, intel as far as what Sam Pittman is going to be, but when you think of um, offensive line coaches, and that's what he's been for almost a decade here, they want to build a solid offensive line and be able to run the ball. Now, that goes into complete – Contrast in hiring Kendall Browse as your offense coordinator. Kendall's is going to look to get three, four, five wide receivers um, on the field as much as possible. So, I'm not quite sure how that marriage is going to work and how long it's going to work. Speaking of um, the quarterback position, Felipe Franks, the um, Florida transfer, I see him really not as a great fit for um, this Kendall Brow system. So you got to wonder if um, he's just going to be a placeholder for the freshman uh, KJ Jefferson, um, who may be likely to take over. If not, you could see um, him replaced by quarterback Jack Lindsley, um, strong arm mobile quarterback who can uh, throw on the run. Like we talked about, um, I'm really high on the running back, Raheem Boyd, um, six foot, 200 pound running back. Um, not explosive speed, but um, can get you those tough yards when you're looking for them. Um, the wide receiving core is average at best. I mean, Trey Knox. Mike Woods, Traylon Burks, um, even a tight end, um, Hudson Henry, uh, younger brother of Hunter Henry of the uh, Chargers. There's just not a lot of talent at the wide receiver course. So this is going to be an interesting uh, first season for Sam Pittman. And like I said, I'm really curious to see how the offense performs uh, for the Razorbacks. On the defensive side, Barry Odom uh, fired at uh, Missouri. We know of all the issues that that went on there. Um, Wants to be aggressive, but again, 
looking at uh, what Arkansas brings back on the defensive, especially the front seven, man, it's hard to find any playmakers um, on this uh, defensive line. You're going to see probably a lot of uh, redshirt freshmen play, uh, nose tackle, uh, Terry and Carter, and defensive end Eric Gregory. Um, expect them to see a lot of snaps this year against a very tough um, schedule. Um, I'm not high on the Arkansas Razorbacks and uh, kind of agree with everybody else's assessment about this program. Um, it's going to be a transition year, and I completely expect them to finish uh, dead last in the SEC West. Summer, back over to you. Up next are the two Mississippi schools as they are both expected to finish near the bottom of the SEC West. So, Billy, does either team have a better chance of finishing fifth in the division? Summer, not according to the odds. Both the Rebels and the Bulldogs are making changes at the head coaching position. Lane Kiffin is back as a head coach in the SEC with the Rebels and Mike Leach leaves Washington State to take over at Mississippi State. Without the benefit of spring practice, both coaches could be slowed down greatly as they try to install their system. I do give a slight edge to Lane due to his experience within the conference, both as a head coach at Tennessee and his three seasons as the OC at Alabama. I also think that he has two good options at quarterback and a game-breaker at the running back position. We will see if either coach can make any progress. Thanks, Billy. Here's a look at both teams starting out with Mississippi State. The Bulldogs are led by first-year head coach Mike Leach. Coach Leach spent the last eight seasons at Washington State with a mediocre record of 55 wins and 47 losses. Leach will serve as his own offensive coordinator, Zach Arnett, who comes over after spending the past nine seasons, at San Diego State will be the team's new D.C. The starting quarterback is a grad transfer from Stanford, K.J. Costello. And now here is the Bulldogs' 2020 schedule. On September 26, the Bulldogs' season starts on the road in Baton Rouge against LSU. Then they come home to take on Arkansas, followed by a road trip to Lexington to battle the Kentucky Wildcats, and then a home game against Texas A&M before their bye week. After the bye, they will face the Crimson Tide of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, back-to-back -back home games against Vanderbilt and Auburn, followed by a road game against Georgia, the annual Egg Bowl battle in Oxford versus Ole Miss, and finishing the season home against the Missouri Tigers. And now here's a look at the Ole Miss Rebels. The Ole Miss Rebels in 2020 will be led by Lane Kiffin. Lane spent the past three seasons as the head coach of the Florida Atlantic Owls with 26 wins and 13 losses. Last season, they finished an impressive 11-3. Joining Coach Kiffin will be Jeff Levy, who spent the last two years at UFC as their OC and QB coach. On the defensive side, we will see co-coordinators with DJ Durkin and Chris Partridge. Throughout the season, we will be in touch with our good friend, Ole Miss Evie, as her site The Rebel Walk does a great job covering the Rebels. You can give her a follow on Twitter at Ole Miss Evie and her fantastic site The Rebel Walk for the latest news about the team. Here are the three big questions with the Rebels going into this season. First, how does Lane handle this first year as head coach with no spring practice or summer workouts and a very compressed fall schedule to install his offense? Number two, who will be the primary signal caller for the Rebels? Matt Corral or Plumlee? And finally, can this defense take a step forward this season? Can this defense get more pressure on the opposing quarterbacks, forcing fumbles and interceptions? The Rebels were last in the conference versus the pass, giving up 278 yards per game through the air and finished 12th in total defense, allowing opponents to gain 417 yards per game. Here is a look at the Ole Miss schedule. On September 26th, and the season opens at home with the Missouri Tigers. The Rebels will travel to Lexington to take on the Kentucky Wildcats before they will face their toughest opponent at home on October 17th when the Alabama Crimson Tide come to Oxford. The Rebels then travel to Fayetteville, Arkansas to take on the Razorbacks. 
a home game against the Auburn Tigers and a road game in Nashville against Vanderbilt. After the bye, the Rebels have a home games against South Carolina then head down to College Station to take on the Aggies. The Egg Bowl against Mississippi State before finishing the season with a trip to Baton Rouge to take on the LSU Tigers. So, Kenneth, what are your thoughts about the Bulldogs and Rebels this season? Yeah, thanks, Summer. Let's start with the um, Mississippi State Bulldogs here. Um, as you mentioned, uh, Mike Leach leaves uh, Pullman to take over at uh, Mississippi State. Didn't have a really impressive record at Washington State. Um, did get a uh, Pac-12 uh, North Division championship back in uh, 2018. But let's take a look at um, the position that Leach is going to be most concerned about, and that's the quarterback position. Uh, Stanford grad transferred, as you mentioned, Summer, uh, K.J. Costello. Here's a brief um, uh, scouting report on, on the quarterback. A very strong arm. Um, some has described it as a, a rifle arm. Um, accurate, very quick release, which um, to play quarterback for Mike Leach in this um, wide open offense, you have to get rid of the ball quickly. Uh, just go back and look at um, his work at Texas Tech. Um, all of those quarterbacks, um, even though they didn't go on to have uh, NFL success, they all had the same uh, characteristics, and that quick release is definitely one of them. Uh, he is mobile. Uh, he is able to scramble, uh, can throw the ball with touch, uh, throws a pretty good deep ball. Uh, we're going to see how well he matches up against these SEC defenses. Um, now, if this was anybody else uh, coaching uh, Mississippi State, I would be all over talking about uh, – their talented running back, uh, Kylan Hill, uh, senior running back. Um, really good top end speed. And when I say really good top end speed, I'm talking about four, four, five and a 40 top end speed. So the young man, if he gets um, in the secondary, he could go hit his head on the goalpost and score touchdowns. In Leach's offense, I don't know how well he's going to get used. Um, considering Mike Leach um, famously quoted, there's nothing balanced about 50% run and 50% pass because that 50% is stupid. So Leach is going to uh, throw the ball. If it's uh, 10 plays, he's going to call at least eight of, uh, eight of those to be uh, pass plays. So whatever the pass attempt record is for Mississippi State, I expect Costello to go well over that because Leach is probably going to at least tr throw the ball at least 40 to 45 times a game. Looking at the uh, wide receivers, he's going to have to throw to Osiris Mitchell and Javante Payton. Um, I expect those two to be targeted quite a bit. So um, defenses uh, better be ready to, um, slow those two guys down. Um, as a side note, um, Terrell Savers, the uh, wide receiver transfer from Alabama, uh, is now on the um, Mississippi State roster. So you may see him um, worked into to some of those four and five wide receiver packages. 
taking a look at um, where Mississippi State is probably going to really struggle, and that's on the defense. Yes, Marquise Spencer uh, comes back for his senior year. Um, in the middle, Elroy uh, Thompson. But this secondary, I think, has the potential to just absolutely give up chunks of yards um, every Saturday that they take the field. Um, just not a lot of uh, production returning, only five um, interceptions uh, combined return on this Mississippi State uh, defense. So not a lot of high expectations for Leach in his uh, first season. We'll see if he can uh, break the mold and actually um, succeed with this air raid offense in a conference that is known for having top-level defensive backs and defensive linemen who can put pressure on the quarterback really quickly without having to blitz. Flipping the page um, over to the Ole Miss Rebels, and like you said, Summer, it's going to give us a great opportunity to catch up with our uh, dear friend Ole Miss Evie. Um, once again, giving her a plug. Uh, definitely check out her on Twitter. Um, her Twitter handle is Ole Miss Evie, and her site, The Rebel Walk. Um, you can find follow those um, two on Twitter. Definitely uh, for the best information about the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, those are the resources that I will be tapping into all season long, and you should as well. Let's not bear the lead. Lane Kiffin back in the SEC um, after um, a three-year stint at uh, Florida Atlantic. Uh, before that, uh, three years as the Alabama quarterback coach in um, OC. Uh, Lane walks into a talented um problem to handle he's got two sophomore quarterbacks uh, both that present different pluses and different minuses so um from just doing a a study of both of these young men uh matt carell and john rice Plumley, um here's a little quick scouting report on both of those young men uh for matt carell he definitely has the stronger arm of the two um, he can run. Uh, he needs to develop even more accuracy, um, throws on the run really well, and has a very quick release. On the other hand, uh, you got John Rice Plumley, who, um, talking with Evie, I said he reminds me of Johnny Manziel um, as a freshman last year without the baggage. Um, also has a strong arm, extremely mobile. Um, this this young man runs a sub four five, and if you just go back and look at some of the tape from last year in some of his games, there was not a lot of guys that were catching him from behind once he got into the secondary. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see how Lane uses uh, both of these quarterbacks. Um, I go back and I think of Lane's time um, in Tuscaloosa. Lane is not afraid to use two quarterbacks. So I would not be shocked um, if he uses both of these young men. And I um, would also expect to see a package to where you see Matt Carell, Plumley, and um, Ely, who we're going to talk about here in just a moment, all in the backfield at the same time 
to really put some stress on the defensive coordinator on what kind of uh, package to put in. Do you go sub? Do you play base? It just puts you in um, some real conflict there. So Lane is going to have to figure out how to keep both of those young men um, healthy and happy throughout the season, and um, we'll find out how that works out. Talking about um, guys with just amazing speed, Jarrell Ely is that home run threat. I compare him to, and Ole Miss fans will will remember his name, Deuce McAllister, uh, when Deuce was there um, at Ole Miss. Deuce was not just a great running back. Uh, Deuce was also a fantastic kick and punt returner. I remember him having a fantastic game um, against Alabama with all kind of all-purpose yards. I would, knowing Lane the way I, I, I kind of do as far as how he thinks and how he, he likes to call plays, I would expect to see this young man touch, not just run, but touch the ball in some form or fashion 20 to 25 times a game. That could be 15 runs. That could be five passes. That could be a couple of kickoff returns, a couple of punt returns. The more times you can get the ball in this young man's hands, the more likely you can see some points going up on the board. So I definitely expect Lane to to definitely use this young man in a multitude of ways as a receiver, as a running back, kick returner, punt returner. But as Summer said, the, the biggest question is going to be, what kind of production can we get from this Ole Miss defense? You heard the numbers uh, in Summer's lead-in. Um, probably one of the worst defenses, um, not just in the in the conference, but probably in the nation. Um, and it's got to start up front. Uh, DJ Durkin, Chris uh, Patrick, you got your work cut out for you. Um, Ryder Anderson, Tisdale, Wiley, Sam Williams, these are your guys in the front seven that have to get pressure, cause havoc on the opposing team's offense. If you're going to be in a situation where you're playing from behind the sticks, and what do I mean? Your opposing um, team has third and short to where they're converting a high percentage of third downs that's not going to be uh, conducive for this Ole Miss team to finish um, in a really good spot. So let's see out of the gate those first three games, um, especially after they play Alabama, where does this defense stack up in how many tackles for loss uh, does Ole Miss have? Um, how many uh, pass breakups? How many fumbles they forced? How many interceptions? If that number isn't hitting at least 12 to 13 a game, then this Ole Miss team is going to be in for a long season. So those are my thoughts on Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Summer, back to you. Thanks, Kenneth. The next two teams in the SEC West are the Aggies and Auburn. Billy, let me bring you back in here. I do not know who I would give an advantage to in finishing third in the SEC West this season. How does these two teams stack up for you? Summer, after we ran the numbers, I give an edge to the Auburn Tigers. I like their young quarterback, 
they're skill position players, and I have seen Gus win big games in the league and, frankly, I have not seen Jimbo get a big-time win in this conference yet. Excellent job, Billy. Kenneth did a great breakdown of Jimbo's record. You can go back and take a listen to that podcast if you want to believe in Fisher as a head coach. Now here's a quick look at the Aggies followed by the Auburn Tigers. The Aggies are led by Jimbo Fisher who returns for his third season. He brings back both coordinators, on the offensive side is Daryl Dickey and Mike Elko to run the defense. The Aggies also return senior quarterback, Kellen Mond, talented running back, Isaiah Spiller, and the pass-catching duo of Jamin Ashbond and Cameron Buckley. The defense must be led by their two outstanding linebackers, Buddy Johnson and Anthony Hines. Here is how their 2020 schedule lines up. On September 26, their season begins at home against Vanderbilt. The Aggies then travel to Tuscaloosa to take on the Tide. If you missed the podcast Kenneth did on the most overrated coach going into the 2020 season, it is worth checking it out before this matchup. The Aggies then return home for their game against the Gators and finally a road game in Starkville to face the Bulldogs of Mississippi State before their bye week. After the bye, the Aggies will be on the road for back-to-back road games, first one comes against South Carolina and then a trip up to Rocky Top to take on Tennessee. The Aggies will close out the season with a home game against Ole Miss and we know our good friend, Ole Miss Evie will have great coverage of this matchup, if you have not done so, you should give her a follow on Twitter at Ole Miss Evie and her tremendous site, The Rebel Walk. Also let me say hello to our good friend, and former Texas A&M quarterback, David Walker. If you have not done so already, head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of his fantastic book, I'll Tell You When You're Good. The Aggies' final two games are a home matchup against LSU before finishing the season on the road against the Auburn Tigers. And now here is the breakdown of the Auburn Tigers. The Auburn Tigers are led by Gus Malzahn who returns for his eighth season as head coach of the Tigers. His offensive coordinator is Chad Morris, who was recently at Arkansas but make no mistake this is Gus's offense, and on the defensive side, Kevin Steele, will be entering his fifth season at Auburn. The starting quarterback is sophomore Bo Nix. The Tigers also return three very talented wide receivers, Eli Stove, Anthony Schwartz, and Seth Williams. However, they did lose two extremely talented players off of their D-line, Marlon Davidson and All-American, Derek Brown. Here's a look at the Tigers' schedule. On September 26, the season kicks off at home against the Kentucky Wildcats. The Tigers then travel to Athens to take on our tribal, Georgia. The Tigers have a home game against Arkansas then travel on back-to-back weeks, first to Columbia to face South Carolina then to Oxford to take on Ole Miss and finally a home game against LSU before their bye week. After the bye, they will face the Bulldogs of Mississippi State in Starkville, a home game against Tennessee, the Iron Bowl against Alabama before finishing the season at home against the Aggies. So, Kenneth, what are your thoughts on these two teams? Thanks, Summer. So let me just say, first of all, I think Jimbo's a fantastic coach. I just think he's a fantastic coach when he has the advantage in talent, i.e., if Jimbo is going up against Vanderbilt, or Arkansas, I'm taking Jimbo every day and twice on Saturday. Jimbo's going up against LSU. Jimbo's going up against Alabama. Clemson, I'm taking Alabama, I'm taking LSU, and I'm taking Clemson every day of the week and twice on Saturday. It's just that simple. Let's do a quick scouting report of the quarterback, Kellen Mond, back for his senior year. Just a quick scouting report that that we've been able to put together about uh, this young man at the quarterback position for the Aggies. He has a strong arm, extremely mobile, loves to throw on the run, not overly fast, but good enough speed. I mean, from 
the numbers that we were able to to get on him. He runs about a four six forty, so not a blazer, but does uh, have those long strides. So he's able to eat up uh, yards once he gets out of the pocket. But here's the one thing that I've noticed about Kellen Mond that has not improved in his three years um, under Jimbo. He doesn't see the field as a quarterback. He sees the field as an athlete. And what do I mean by that? If the first um, receiver in his progression is not open, he's looking to get out of that pocket. And if that second wide receiver does not flash open immediately, Kellerman is escaping and running. Now, that's fantastic in the Big 12, but over a season, you don't want to accumulate those hits in this conference. Um, some are mentioning it in the uh, lead-in. Um, I absolutely love their tailback, Isaiah Spiller. I think this guy can be a game-changer. Very strong, uh, really good hands, um, really good speed. This is what the Aggies should be building their offense around. This young man, he should be getting the ball 20, 25 times. In some games, we call it an ice bag game. All week long, you're in the ice tub because you're going to get 30, 35 touches in a ball game. Week two might be a really good week to do so when you travel to Tuscaloosa. If you are going to entrust Kellen Mond to go into Tuscaloosa, I don't care if fans are in the stands or not, and beat Alabama, I, I don't buy it, not with this quarterback and certainly not with this head, head coach uh, combination. The two wide receivers in Ashbourne and Buckley are just absolutely studs. Uh, both of them run in that 4-5. Four, five, five category. Um, if you had a quarterback that could really threaten down the field, I would like these wide receivers even more. Honestly, if the Aggies got off to a slow start, I would not be surprised to see the uh, redshirt freshman uh, Zach Calzade uh, Calzade uh, come into the ball game. This young man has a strong arm, quick release, throws the ball downfield, has some nice touch. He's one of those elite 11 quarterbacks. Like I said, would not be surprised to see a, a change at quarterback with the Aggies. We talked about it on defense. Um, this, this front seven could be special. I mean, Buddy Johnson, um, Isaiah Hines. I'm sorry, Anthony Hines, forgive me. The, the These guys could be fantastic in the front seven. But that back end, Miles Jones, um, Elijah Blades, I, I'm going to be honest with you, if you're going to put those two young men on an island and say, hey, we expect you to lock down the number one and number, one, number two wide receivers for the opposing teams, I don't see evidence of that from from my tape study. So those are my thoughts on the Aggies. I, along with Billy, will give the edge to finish um, in the SEC West. Um, 
I expect the Aggies to once again finish fourth, and I expect the Auburn Tigers to um, eke out a head-to-head win and and ultimately finish uh, third in the SEC uh, West. Let's turn our attentions really quick quickly to the Auburn Tigers. Once again, led by um, Bo Nix. Young man has a strong arm, accurate. Um, he's extremely mobile. Um, will take off and run. Uh, love the scramble throws on the run really well. Once again, another Elite 11 quarterback. Uh, his deep accuracy definitely leaves something to be uh, desired. Um, don't know how much during this um, COVID period with uh, no spring practices, um, no real um, extensive summer workouts. Don't know how much he had a chance to really work on that with those three stud uh, wide receivers that Summer talked about. Um, but it's going to really boil down to how does this offensive line for, for Auburn performs? Because this year um, they're going to have to outscore teams instead of uh, leaning on that front seven um, led by uh, Derek Brown and Marlon Davison. Um, to where they could kind of hold teams down. If you remember, they were the only team uh, that really gave LSU uh, fits and probably should have won that game if it wasn't for a couple of uh, bad coaching mistakes uh, made by by Gus. Some scouting notes on Gus. Um, He loves to run tempo. He wants to generate 80 plus plays per game on offense. The term offensive guru has been thrown around with Gus. Um, I will give you a little um, tip here about Gus's offense. It's very simplistic, but it's ran at a very high speed. So I'm going to walk you through a scenario here with Gus. If Auburn is on the near hash and that would be towards their sideline, and they get a first down. In a nationally televised game, especially if they pan over to Gus, you're going to see him winding his arms in a really rapid motion, going fast, go fast, go fast. And he does this for two um, important reasons. One, because it's closer to his sideline, the defense doesn't have a chance to substitute. So he keeps you on the field in whatever um, defense that you are in on that third down play, especially if it's third and short um, where um, you're almost in like a goal line defense where you got um, seven defensive linemen, eight guys in the box. um, So you don't have your sub packages in. And the second reason he does that is you're now trying to look over to the sidelines to get your adjustment calls. And before you can turn your head back around, that ball is snapped. So watch for that. Anytime Auburn is on offense and they generate a first down and the ball is over towards their sideline, nine times out of 10, Gus is going to be, let's go, let's go, let's go. So that's a little tip from my film study of watching Gus over the years that I've picked up and hopefully some SEC coaches around the league have picked up. 
Summer, back to you as we get ready to um, finish off the, the last two teams uh, in the SEC West, the LSU Tigers and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Thank you, Kenneth, and everyone. That is just a small example of the kind of analysis that you will only find with the Crunch Time Sports Advantage. After this last break, we are going to finish up with the champion LSU Tigers and the Crimson Tide. Thank you, Kenneth, and everyone. That is just a small example of the kind of analysis that you will only find with the Crunch Time Sports Advantage. After this last break, we are going to finish up with the champion LSU Tigers and the Crimson Tide. Want to gain an advantage this fall in the NFL and the EPL? Head over to our website and sign up for one or both of our packages. Each will give you access to our advanced stats, matchup breakdowns each week, a dedicated Slack channel where you can ask your questions and get a quicker response. Also, we will have a weekly Zoom meeting call. Not able to make the Zoom call? We will send you a copy by email. The start of the National Football League gets underway on Thursday night, September 10th, and the kickoff to the English Premier League is on Saturday, September 12th. Because we are the Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network and we are here to give you your sports advantage. So, sign up today. Thanks, Summer. Like you said, um, the 2019 LSU offense may go down as the greatest offense that we've ever seen in college football. Scott Linehan um, is the de facto offensive coordinator. I know that uh, the team's bio lists um, Steve Ensmeyer, but when you're the passing game court, um, coordinator, you are the de facto um, offensive coordinator. LSU also welcomes back a familiar face uh, on the defensive side, Bo Pelini. Uh, Bo spent uh, the past five years as the uh, head coach at Youngstown State. Um, just five games above 500, going 33 and 28. Before that, he had a really successful run at Nebraska uh, for eight seasons, going 67 and 27. But for some reason, uh, the hunk, the uh, Cornhusker faithful didn't think that that was good enough and basically ran Bo out of town for um, just pure stupidity. Um, prior to uh, taking that head job, at Nebraska, Bo spent three years um, as the defensive coordinator for LSU. So that's why we say welcome back to the SEC and Bo Pelini. Quick breakdown um, of what is left of this uh, LSU offense. And let's start right there with the quarterback, Miles Brennan. Uh, junior, six foot four, 200 pounds, uh, very strong arm, uh, throws on the run quite well, uh, mobile. We're yet to see how good of a deep ball he throws. Uh, that'll be tested uh, fairly early, early on. LSU uh, is going to revert back to what we know LSU to be. Um, I've watched Scott Linehan as an offensive coordinator at the NFL level. It is a downhill running attack, and John Emery Jr. is going to be um, the catalyst for that rushing attack. Um, Terrence Marshall Jr., uh, just a fantastic uh, wide receiver, but he is going to have to be the number one guy now that Jamar Chase has opted out. Uh, Marshall is a home run hitter. 
extremely um, reliable hands and very long arms. So he's able to high point that ball um, and make uh, those 50-50 balls more like 80-20 in his favor catches. The defense, um, what we know uh, from Bo Pelini in all of his years of being a head coach, uh, he is a 4-3 coach. Um, Expect to see LSU's defense look a lot like it did uh, when he was the former D.C. Uh, He expects those four guys to get pressure uh, without having to blitz. Not to say that Bo won't blitz, but he wants you. To, he wants to beat you with his front four. So, Pharrell, Shelvin, Logan, Brooks, those names. If you're hearing those quite a bit, you know this defense uh, for LSU um, is up to par. Taking a look at um, really quickly here, um, I'll call this young man the. Uh, best corner in all of college football coming back this season in Derek Stingley. He reminds me so much of um, now Hall of Fame uh, defensive back uh, Champ Bailey when he was at Georgia. This young man can flip his hips really quickly, uh, gets his head around, and he doesn't just break up passes. When he gets his hands on them, he gets the interception. So he's not just knocking passes down. He's creating turnovers. Uh, He will cover your best wide receiver, and that's a matchup that I will pay to see all day long. And there will be a matchup coming up later this year that I'm looking forward to, and I will already preview it here just really quickly. I will love to see Stingley and Alabama's Jalen Waddell match up for 60 minutes. Give me that. Give me a bag of popcorn, and I'm ready to go. Um, I expect, uh, like Billy and our guys out in Vegas, I expect LSU to be the number two team in this uh, conference on the western side. And we'll see, with a small caveat, if LSU for some reason gets off to a slow start, could you see more guys start to opt out? Could you see a Terrence Marshall opt out? Could you see um, any other um, starters potentially um, opt out? Not likely, but it's something to keep an eye on. So, Summer, I'm going to turn it back over to you as we get ready to break out, break down our final team in this preview, and that is the Alabama Crimson Tide. Thank you, Kenneth, and everyone. That is just a small example of the kind of analysis that you will only find with the Crunch Time Sports Advantage. After this last break, we are going to finish up with the champion LSU Tigers and the Crimson Tide. Welcome back, everyone. So our final two teams left, and Billy, it appears that LSU and the Tide are the top two teams in the West. Does Vegas give either team an edge to win the division and play for the SEC title? Yes, Summer. Vegas has Alabama as a clear favorite, not only to win the division but to win the SEC title this season. The Tigers are having to adjust to losing so much talent both on the field and within their coaching staff as well. On a personal note, I am looking forward to Kenneth's breakdown of Alabama. Billy, thank you for that and likewise, I am eager to hear his thoughts on the Tide. 
He knows this program inside and out and he will always give his honest impression about them. But, first, we have to talk about the defending champions, LSU. The Tigers had what could be described as the greatest college offense of all time. So, without any more delay, here's our breakdown of the Tigers. The defending national champions, the LSU Tigers, are led by Coach O. He begins his fifth season in Baton Rouge. The 2020 version will look very differently from the team that we saw hold up the national championship trophy. Gone to the NFL Heisman winner and first overall draft pick, Joe Burrow, running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, receiver Justin Jefferson, and on the defensive side, all three starting linebackers, Patrick Queen, Jacob Phillips, and Clavon Chashin, and in the secondary, safety and Jim Thorpe award winner, Grant Delpit and cornerback Christian Fulton. The departure also include both coordinators. Joe Brady leaves after one season to become the OC of the Carolina Panthers in D.C., Dave Aranda becomes the new head man at Baylor. Scott Linehan steps in as the passing game coordinator but the Tigers do welcome back a familiar face as the D.C. The Tigers were counting on 2019 B-Late Nikoff winner, Jamar Chase to return, but he decided to opt out of the season and prepare for the 2021 NFL Draft. So, all of the pressure at the wide receiver spot falls on the shoulders of Terrence Marshall. Miles Brennan steps in as the new starting quarterback, and all-world cornerback, Derek Stinkley Jr. will likely see snaps this year, a wide receiver along with being the team's primary punt returner. Here's a look at their schedule. On September 26th, the season begins at home as the Tigers will host the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Their next game is in Nashville against Vanderbilt, then a home game against Missouri. The final three games before the bye are a road trip to Gainesville, a home game against South Carolina and before going back on the road to take on the Auburn Tigers. After the bye, they will face their toughest opponent at home when the Alabama Crimson Tide come to Death Valley. To close out the season, the Tigers will visit the Arkansas Razorbacks and then travel to College Station to face the Aggies before finishing the season at home against Ole Miss. So, Kenneth, what are your thoughts on the Tigers? Thanks, Summer. Alabama played its first season in 1892. There is no school, not Notre Dame, not Oklahoma, not Ohio State, not the men of Troy at USC, that knows more about winning national titles than the Crimson Tide. Alabama has dominated the SEC since it was formed back in 1932. No school has more bowl victories, national championships, 27 conference titles, 14 SEC West titles, 74 consensus All-Americans, then the Crimson Tide. What started with Wallace Wade, Frank Thomas continued. What Coach Bryant built, Gene Stallings restored. And now Nick Saban is put into a complete different stratosphere. Alabama knows how to win championships. And speaking to a lot of people around the program, we're extremely disappointed that another title was in reach and wasn't able to get it. Hats off to LSU. 
taking nothing away from them. You came into Brian Denny Stadium. You beat Alabama. And as Coach O said, you had bigger things to accomplish. And you absolutely did. This is why the 2020 season for Alabama is one of the most anticipated seasons in recent memory. It's not a revenge tour. It is unfulfilled visions from last season. Here's some names that have won national titles at quarterback since Coach Saban has taken over. Greg McElroy, A.J. McCarron twice, and Jake Coker. While we have all enjoyed this high-flying offensive juggernaut over the past two-plus years that we saw with Tua, with Smith, with Waddle, with Ruggs, with Judy. There's still a national championship missing. So, Summer, you're right. When I said the Alabama program must come home this season, the fans watching at home, and if we're able to be at the stadium, that's fantastic. Alabama has built championships on the offensive line and the defensive front. Alabama should be able to run the ball down any opponent's throat whenever they want to. I don't care if it's a six-man box. I don't care if it's a seven-man box. I don't care if they put two safeties in the box. That offensive line at Alabama has to dominate because it's in their DNA to dominate. I believe that this program and Coach Saban did a deep diagnosis of what was missing, and you've seen it in recruitment. You've seen it looking and listening to people around the program. Everybody's going to talk about the quarterback competition, whether it's Mac Jones and Bryce Young, and I'll get to that in a minute. It starts up front. Alex Leatherwood, projected first-round pick. Evan Neal, starting at left guard. Landon Dickerson, senior, starting at center. Right now projected at the rest of the offensive line on the right side, Tommy Brown, Dante Brown at the right tackle spot. Those five names or whoever um, the subs may be, whether it's Amari Knight, whether it's Chris Owen, or any other of the talented offensive linemen that Alabama has recruited over the past couple of years. 
whichever five step out on that field, they must dominate to the standard that is Alabama. You'll hear the names Trey Sanders. You'll hear Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, um, Jalen Waddle. I've called the most exciting wide receiver since David Palmer. Devontae Smith came back for his senior season when he could have been at worst a second-round pick in this most recent NFL draft. Summer, you talked about the injuries on the defensive side. Uh, no position group was more devastated at the um, by injury than, than the linebackers last year. Lost both starting inside linebackers. Also lost uh, defensive end LeBron Ray. He's back. He should be healthy. It's time for him to take over as that dominant um, defensive lineman that he was recruited to be. DJ Dale, Brian Young, Mathis, Christian Barmore. This rotation, this six-man rotation uh, up front should stay fresh and it should be like a hockey line shift. Three go in, three come out, and they just take over at the defensive front. The linebackers, Ben Davis, from all accounts, is ready to be as good as he was projected to be coming out of high school. Back off of injury, Dylan Moses, Joshua McMillan. Now, the benefit of those two gentlemen not playing last season gave a lot of valuable snaps to Shane Lee and Christian Harris. Neither one of these young men were ready to step on the field as true freshmen um, in Nick's system. So they got the benefit of playing a bunch of snaps last year that they wouldn't have normally gotten. That's only going to help the Alabama depth. Uh, going into this season. Patrick Sertain, it's time that you fulfill the legacy that not only your father left, but every defensive cornerback that has played for Alabama in the two-plus decades that I've been watching this team. Starting with Fernando Bryant, all the way through Mika Fitzpatrick. You are the building piece for Nick's complicated defense. It's time. Nothing else needs to be said. It's time. The safeties are a question mark. I'm not going not gonna to bury the lead here. It's still undecided who is going to start, whether it's Jordan Battle, whether it's Daniel Wright, um, Eddie Smith, that's still to be worked out. And you got one game to get it worked out because Texas A&M is going to stress that um, position group um, right out of the gate. I know the concern about the kicking. I've heard Alabama fans <laughs> talk about this for a couple of years now. 
the kicking game should definitely be improved. It has to improve, whether it's Will, whether it's Joseph um, at the place kicking spot, um, Todd Piron um, had a really excellent uh, job as the punter um, once he took over. Mr. Electricity, um, as I'm as I'm going to call him throughout the season, Jalen Waddle, um, took both a kick and a punt return back last year. If you are an opposing team and you decide to kick to Jalen Waddle, whether it's a kickoff or a punt, you are committing coaching suicide. That's all I can tell you. This young man, if he touches the ball 15 to 20 times a game, it's scary the kind of numbers he can put up. But now let's take a look at the position group that all the Alabama fans are talking about. And I know that you guys want to hear what the scouting report shows on each of these two uh, quarterbacks that are being talked about. Starting with Mac Jones. I said to some Alabama fans last season that after um, Tua's injury, the rest of the season didn't matter, and that included the Iron Bowl. The only thing that mattered at that point was getting Mac Jones ready to be the starting quarterback at the University of Alabama. And while losing the Iron Bowl and throwing two horrible pick six interceptions, this young man showed me more intestinal fortitude than I could have ever imagined or hoped for as an Alabama fan. Mac has a strong arm. He's extremely accurate. Mobile than what his 40 times says. More than a game manager can make plays from the pocket and on the run. Now, if for some reason Max struggles or does not get off to the fast start that he needs to hold on to this uh, job, Bryce Young is more than capable of stepping in as a true freshman in taking over as the Alabama quarterback. This young man has a cannon for a arm. Throws with precision, has great touch on the ball, scramble, and he is a dual threat weapon. Unlike Tua was a pure pocket passer, this young man, he can threaten you on the edges. And once he gets in the open field, he can go for six uh, with with that kind of speed that he has. I'm going to throw in a quick mention about Paul Tyson um, as another uh, quarterback option. Yes, he is the great-grandson of Coach Bryant, but this young man got his scholarship by being an extremely talented quarterback. He also has a very strong arm, extremely mobile, like Bryce. He was also an Elite 11 quarterback. Not nearly as mobile as Bryce, but few are going to be. Um, I see Bryce as a Kyler Murray-type player because of their stature, because of their build, and 
their way to extend the play as well as threaten the defense. So the Alabama quarterback position is in good hands with either one of these three young men. But as I said, it all starts up front with that offense and defensive line. If Alabama is to win the SEC championship, it starts and ends right there. Thanks for listening. Roll Tide. In closing, we want to say thank you for listening to this special 2020 SEC football preview show. For Kenneth and Billy, this is Summer. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast and hope that you will join us all season long. In closing, we want to say thank you for listening to this special 2020 SEC football preview show. For Kenneth and Billy, this is Summer. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast and hope that you will join us all season long.